As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, my name is John, uh, with me is my cold, uh, but also Mike. <laughs> Hello John, happy Easter to you and your cold. Thank you for the, the chocolate, that's helping it get a little bit better. And Colin. Good afternoon. Oh, Colin. Yeah. It was a draw. Watford did not lose. Uh, yeah, Watford have just drawn away uh, at uh, Middlesbrough and we didn't do a podcast after the Sheffield Wednesday game where we won 1-0 at home. Now, Mike, this is like the old days. The early adopters are from the Rookery End will remember that we only used to do podcasts once a month uh, and we used to talk about four games in a row. Uh, now we only talk about two, but it's really old school. Really, really old school. I love it. But, we, we you know, it is four points out of the possible six. Two games after an international break where uh, several key players were travelling, were, were out and about and were playing lots of games of football. <sighs> But we're still second and things are still very good. Mm. Anything to grumble about, Mike? Should we get this out of the way? Well, no, look, I mean, I said <laughs> when when we reconvened, you know, in my head, I thought, looked at the fixtures and thought four points from these two games, bearing in mind we're coming off the back of a, a an international break, I think would, would have represented a good return because, you know, if we had to beat Sheffield Wednesday at home and then anything really we get at, at Middlesbrough, I thought, I felt would be... Not a bonus, but I think if we could pick a point up there, not avoid defeat, that keeps momentum going. It's another point in the bag. A very, very tough side to play against. You know, Neil Warnock's side, you know, he's a canny, canny operator. Love the fact on um, the stat that they, they did on the Sky commentary that Neil Warnock has been a, a, a manager for as long as Cisco Munoz has been alive. <laughs> so he he knows some stuff and he knows how to set up a side. He knows how to get the best out of his side. And he made it very, very difficult for Watford at the Riverside, didn't he? They nullified the, the front three for the first time, really, in this, this spell we've had. So 
to a degree, fair play to Borough, but they've gone. Watford have got four points. They've kept the momentum going. That's another point that our rivals have to make up on us. The game itself, I'm disappointed in, in as much as really they were two pretty average performances. The return of four points, I think, is is perfectly acceptable. It's absolutely fine. So that's that's okay. And you just you just hope that they can build and and get a bit of their swagger back because there wasn't much of it either against. Sheffield Wednesday on Friday, or we're speaking today on on Monday against against Middlesbrough. They were two very the just the tempo wasn't there. The swagger we've had against against in other performances wasn't there. So my only slight nagging doubt is you know we need to just you know shake this off. Despite you know it's four point haul is is decent. It, it's absolutely fine. But we do need to get our get our mojo back a little bit. I think on uh, ne- the uh, next Friday against Reading. Yeah, Colin. You know today felt like not quite enough of a performance to win and and Friday felt like we we just did enough to win even though we weren't really being threatened by Sheffield Wednesday you know they weren't creating you know thousands of chances and, and peppering the the box with worrying crosses the performances felt like we we we've sort of we were still in third gear well they did a bit i think actually the success of friday with the performance we put in then had a sort of maybe you might argue a negative effect on today's performance we found ourselves in exactly the same position one nil up and we played kind of with that very relaxed sort of we're in control we passed the ball back and forth Hughes again the kind of the go-to guy in the middle of the park picks the ball up recycles it back to Seralta back to a Kong out wide to Messina and Kiko and it comes back in and we were we seemed to be so in control and because that had worked for us on Friday I think we tried to repeat the trick but we were playing against very very different opposition uh, Sheffield Wednesday didn't really offer much I will say this it's funny when you get to the end of the season a run in like this I'm sure sure that uh, Swansea will be feeling the the opposite uh, from us. But, you know, the goal we scored against Sheffield Wednesday was a goal that could easily have been ruled out under different circumstances. The ball comes across to Ismail Assar, for those who haven't seen it, a fantastic crossfield pass from Messina, who's really um, growing in, in his distribution. And they're complaining that Sar's offside when the ball is hit. No idea, didn't have the the camera angle to see whether that was true or not. Anyway, the the linesman didn't give it. And then he gets the ball down, plays a, a wonderful cross between defender and goalkeeper and success is coming in at the back stick. He is offside and the defender sticks it in the back of his goal. He's flagged offside and then the ref goes over and they have a chat and he goes, well, he wasn't interfering with play. He didn't touch the ball, therefore it's a goal and it's given. Now that's when you get that kind of little, those tiny little bits of luck, you feel, oh, maybe this is our season. You know, maybe this is the, is the, is the way that it, it's going to happen for us. You know, the, the gods are on our side, if, if, if you like. And today, again, I thought the goal we scored, it, it, he, was, he wasn't offside. Clearly, he wasn't offside, Saar, when, it, when, when the ball was kicked by Zinconagel. But there was a hint uh, of handball from Zinconagel. It bounced up and off his arm and they were appealing and everyone was furious and then of course Sky sort of pile in with their oh it's a controversial uh, incident it's really very uncontroversial it was just a straightforward 
he was onside. There wasn't a handball. It came off his ankle and went in. It's unlucky for them. It's lucky for us. I was thinking, oh, is this is this how it is? You know. And then I thought we sort of we fell back into the same kind of performance that we we'd had against Sheffield Wednesday, and perhaps that was really a mistake. We did have one or two chances, one very good chance in the second half with Jao Pedro to get that second goal. But we didn't play, as Mike rightly says, we didn't play at a high enough tempo. We didn't play with the intensity we've seen in recent weeks. We weren't able to put the game to bed. We gave away, well, Mike will give you the stat in a minute. We gave away a lot of uh, set pieces and eventually one of them told. And for that, I feel disappointed, but equally like Mike, uh, going into the into these two games, when we talked about it on the on the last podcast, uh, I think it was called the Running. Um, uh, we we talked about getting four points from these two games, and that we'd be happy with that. So it's it's hard to be really disappointed. But having been one nil up, mm. you know, with thirty minutes to go, you think, come on, lads, put this game to bed. And we weren't able to do that, and that is disappointing. And of course, it will give encouragement to both Swansea and Brentford. I totally understand what you're saying, Colin, about the about the bit, bits of luck and those slight little bits of fortune falling our way. Just to go back to the Sheffield Wednesday uh, game and goal, I think I think he puts that. I think Lee's makes that the Sheffield Wednesday defender makes that challenge, makes that attempt to play the ball regardless of of success being there, because he knows full well that it's a, a dangerous ball in and that we earned that goal through quality. Yeah. So the beautiful ball from Semmer, it was a it was a magnificent ping. Saad did his thing down the right, and every time he does it, you think, right, if he if he gets a bit of open space in front of him, you know there is a question about to be asked of the defence. If we know it, the defenders who have, will have spent all week watching horrifying video of him running at a million miles an hour and fizzing balls across <laughs> the box, they will know it as well. He was left with absolutely no option other to try and to do something with that ball and with with if success is there or he's not he makes the same challenge and the net result is the is the is the same so i i know that wasn't the point you're making but what i the, the what i'd like to bring it back on that is we have the quality and we have the quality that these that defenders can't really live with in this division and i think after a game like today when we feel a little bit a little bit flat which is incredible really to think the run we're on and a draw away away at Middlesbrough is 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 cause for for disappointment. I think tells us how far we've come and and what a tremendous season this is shaping up to be. And I think we just need to take stock. Remember that there is quality all over this pitch, and it only takes a little bit of genius. One, you know, for Sar to get away once, uh, Pedro to turn them inside out once, Sema to flash one in from the edge of the box, Zinkenagel who's fight looking like he's more um, willing to to shoot. There's quality everywhere, and that's where that's where we earned that goal and win against Sheffield Wednesday. And we earned it today that way. Jao Pedro chasing down the ball. He kept going. He kept trying. Uh, it bounced the right way. Zinkenagel. We made that opportunity, uh, and in fact, the whole running up to that that goal, it was like we were being very pedestrian about the whole game. But they just made their substitution, uh, and we sort of just upped it just a, li- a little bit, and just by upping it a little bit, things started to happen. And then it went back a step again and we weren't sort of keeping up that high intensity. And it, it does seem like that's, that's a choice. That's a definite choice by the players or by the manager that, that we aren't going to go at this 100 miles an hour at this point because there's still a lot of the season to go. We have the possession and we, we count on our quality to make it count. And we keep the ball, you know, you look at the, look at the pass stats, look at the, the amount of possession. We always play more passes and we always have more of the ball. Um, and it's, you know, it's quite remarkable, really, isn't it, to see us knock the ball around the way we do. And for the reasons I've just talked about and the reasons that are evident to all of us that have been watching the side in the last couple of months, 
we know it doesn't take much that if we've got the ball, it only takes one pass and the the whole thing's open for us. You know, if Kiko gets in and then there's an overlap for Sarr or over the other side, Semmer can beat a man. So keeping the ball, and with, there isn't any need necessarily for it to be a an absolute kitchen sink job because I don't I don't I don't think that's when we're at our best. I think that there's a difference between you know really high. It's it's difficult. I'm not quite quite sure the best way to articulate it. Once we're purring, it looks effortless, and it's about moving the ball quickly and finding the space. And I think Sheffield Wednesday did an okay job of it in terms of restricting us. We did sort of they moved around. Of course, we had Isaac success through the middle from the start on on Friday against Sheffield Wednesday, and you know the ball didn't stick with him as as well as he would have liked. And they tried. They they moved. They switched flanks occasionally. Saar and uh, and Pedro moved over against Sheffield Wednesday and tried to unlock it that way. It didn't quite come off against Sheffield Wednesday. But I think t- t- today against Middlesbrough, I think it's credit to them. They had the way they set up, they really stifled it. And there was very, very little room for us to play into. We couldn't find those angles. We couldn't find those pockets of space. We couldn't get the, the zippy little passes that have undone so many teams before Middlesbrough going today. And I think you have to give credit to to, to Middlesbrough, their players and, and Warnock for obviously understanding what the threat was going to be and and largely nullifying it. Now, they didn't create much themselves either in the same way as Sheffield Wednesday, which again, I think should be cause for us to be confident and relatively content. You know, the, we are we are not struggling defensively against these teams. We are not finding ourselves up against it really in any in any game at the moment if we're if we're perfectly honest about it but if we were going to go back to the before this all this greatness started and we looked at what our problem was it wasn't the defense at that point it wasn't the midfield at that point um it wasn't being used in the right way but then the the worry always was were we going to score enough goals the big question i've sort of got over these last two games is are we going to have enough goals if we were to find ourselves not being the first scorers is Jao Pedro going to last as long as you want? Is Isaac's success the answer in his current situation, his current form? Is Andre Gray getting enough times to also develop himself and to make sure he's, he's matched sharp? Didn't come on today. You know, if things had gone as we thought they were going to go with Jao Pedro after going off hobbling, I mean, carried off almost, um, after the Sheffield Wednesday game, you, you, that is a, a massive worry that, that that will be our downfall, that we we don't score enough goals. I don't think we're there yet, to be honest with you. No, John, no, no, we're I not there yet. But you know, worry just, about that that's a nagging, the moment. It's a nagging. I think, I think Mike has it right, basically. I think that what Warnock did, let, let, let's remember how experienced Warnock is, not just as a manager, but a manager in the championship. And he set them up with three centre-backs who didn't spread out wide. They sat in the penalty box. It was barely, you could put a you know, Rizzler between the three of them. And then he had his wing-backs who were willing to work really hard. And, and as a team, they worked incredibly hard. And they pressed and pressed and pressed and continued to do so in the second half. Now, not many teams have done that to us in recent weeks because perhaps they've been slightly uh, too nervous playing against us and have dropped off and dropped off. But they really put us under a lot of pressure. They won the ball off us. It's one of the reasons they got so many set pieces because if you don't press a team in their own third... You're not going to get those fouls. And I I don't know what the stat was. I think Mike said we gave up 15 free kicks and five corners or something. So if you... If a team plays like that against you, they're showing a bit of spirit, a bit of courage. Obviously, they've still got a chance of getting in the playoffs. And I thought I thought they, they really did that to us. But in terms of worrying about our goal scoring, you're right in that we don't look 
we didn't look as dangerous in the last two games. We didn't create as many chances as in previous games. But that's what kind of happens at the end of the season when the pressure starts to build. I'm sure Swansea uh, and Brentford fans would say, well, we haven't created enough chances. We're not scoring goals anymore. You know, let's not forget Swansea have lost three in a row. Brentford have drawn three in a row. We haven't done that. We've won two and drawn one so far and the quality is there I, I just I, I say Mike is is absolutely right like the, the move for the Jao Pedro chance was just was just the most one of the yeah. most beautiful things ball comes in goes to Chalabar Chalabar to Sema Sema looks up puts in the perfect ball to Pedro who hits it first time and it just creeps outside the far post you know it's that kind of movement that kind of fast passing that sort of tempo that we didn't do enough of today to create enough chances to get that second goal we can't rely on taking every single chance we make but you know we've still got all of that in the locker plus gray plus success uh, and um, yeah I, I still feel uh, calm and confident we're 10 points ahead of both those teams. They've got two games in hand, obviously, but they've got to win those, which is difficult to do at this stage in the season. They both proved that it's difficult to do it. We proved it was hard to do it today against a really tough Borough side. Mike, Mike called it really last week saying, you know, yeah, that, that's a tough game. That's going to be one of our toughest games away at Middlesbrough. And he, and he was right. And uh, But I, I still feel like that you've got to take some fatigue. I mean, I think Borough's performance is one thing, but I think you've also got to take fatigue into account a little bit because they've played twice in three days and three or four of those players have come back from international travel. So hopefully this week we can we can get enough rest, but it's the mental battle now, I think. That's what I feel like it is for Watford. I thought in the second half, once Borough equalised, what was really clear from what happened after that, despite the fact that Borough didn't really create that much, they played like a team with nothing to lose. They put men forward. They pressed us in our own half. They they played as if, well, we can just play now because we've got we've got the equaliser, and we can play with nothing to lose. And we couldn't really play as if we had nothing to lose because we knew if we conceded another goal, you know that was that was something massive to lose. And so we played as if we did have something to lose, and that slightly rebalanced or it changed the balance of, of the game that we were, that I was watching anyway in the se- in the second half after that equaliser. They came for it because they had nothing to lose. They might as well go for it. And we were like, well, we better protect this point. And so it's the mental game from here on in. It's going to be tough. Those Some of those players are very young and experienced, probably haven't been in a promotion battle before, certainly not at this level. And, you know, that that's the thing that I would worry about, the, the mental strength to keep going, because I think we've got the quality to do it. We've got the players to do it. It's whether or not they can hold their nerve, I think. I think we're seeing teams understand what, what the threat Watford poses as well you know every everyone knows you know everyone that's been watching the championship with with half an eye knows that Watford have switched to 4-3-3 they know that the the real crux of Watford's performances are Will Hughes Nate Chalaber recently and then Ismail Assar and Jao, Jao Pedro they're the they're the guys that that make the whole thing tick it's not not rocket science and I thought today in particular with Middlesbrough again with the going back to a canny canny head coach there would have been no stone left unturned in terms of their prep they absolutely bunged up down the right didn't they Ishmael Assar didn't have really any opportunity to to gallop down that right at all there was no space to be found at all was there I didn't I didn't think part of it is yeah obviously the mental pressure is going to to come into it but I think the quality of these guys is is as such that that's probably less of a 
issue for them and more an issue for us as as supporters watching from the the sidelines. I think these guys would back themselves against absolutely everybody in this division. They're not going to be having uh, uh, the senior team members gathering the players for a big meeting after this game. No. But you think they're going to have some conversations just like, look, this is ours. We can we can do this. We should do this. We need to make sure that, that it is ours um, to to be able to. We need to keep it as it being ours to to win. I think the issue is we probably need to be a little bit more nimble in situations like today when we aren't we're not allowed to. Early on in the season, we said, "Well, we're desperate for this Watford side to impose themselves. We want them to take hold of the game." I think they were far too passive in the first half of the season under Ivic. It was just all about you know just possession and keep trying to nick a 1-0. That was basically the, the premise. We've been able to shake those shackles off, largely down to the quality and largely down to defences not being able to, to cope with this. But we're going to face some sides now in the run-in. You know, Reading, pretty decent, well-organised. Norwich, Brentford, Swansea, you know, they're all, they're all OK d- defensively and they will set up to, to nullify us because teams have to do that. We, we've been going into games not worried about the opposition to a degree because we know basically, and this isn't to decry the opposition, we're better than them. That's just the fact of the matter. That's the reality. The players we can put out are better than the opposition for the most half. So they know they have to work to nullify that. That happened against, to Sheffield Wednesday, a, a degree. I thought we were more very, very comfortable despite the, the, the scoreline. Today, there was there was some clear sights that signs that were they were set up to target or to stop you know i thought they put us under pressure occasionally we knock the ball about in in front of backman don't we truce kong and and sierra alta they they pass it between themselves and usually they sort of they send their body one way then go take a few steps forward and and find a pass but but we know that William Trusty Kong was great against Sheffield Wednesday. I thought he was probably man of the match in in what was a, probably a better team performance than, a, than individuals. But today I thought he gave the ball away again. I thought his I thought his delivery was was not as good as it has been, which we've seen from him before. And it felt like perhaps I don't know if that was being targeted a little bit. They they closed it down a little bit, and there was a time when the two uh, Borough players collided going for a poorly hit pass from Trusty Kong, wasn't it? And I just think we just have to be a bit clever and a bit better at reacting when teams work us out a bit. That That's my only sort of slight concern. And that's a, the sort of the question after today. At 1-0 up, they're not really threatening, but they their threat is stopping us. So how do we deal with that? And more and more teams, you know, there's six games to go. They're going to be wanting to stop us. And if they can stop us, then they're, they're always in with a chance of, of nicking one. And I think we just have to be tactically nimble. And so that's, that's this is, you know, we talk about the players, Colin, um, having the mental fortitude and aptitude to deal with the promotion chase. You know, it's just going, Munoz has to stand up to his opposite numbers as well when they know what's coming. He stood up to uh, to Colin earlier, Mister Mister Warnock, so to say. Uh, he uh, when it was, uh, they, I think they offered him an iPad uh, to see that they were, it wasn't offside. I think there was a little bit there, but I think Cisco sort of had one over over Mister Warnock in the in the end. Yeah, I enjoyed their I enjoyed their exchange of uh, their frank exchange of views. I, I enjoyed that. I'd like to talk about the um, the, the defensive unit. Uh, and I know that we we feel a bit a little bit let down, and I, I agree that uh, Truce to Kong's. Uh, his his one sort of flaw is that he does sometimes misplace a pass. His distribution isn't always great. But since the beginning of March, we've conceded only three goals, one of which was today. That unit 
I have to say, is is sort of the bedrock, isn't it? And I, I would include Backman and Hughes in a sort of in that back six. But again, I just saw today Siralta really stood out as the player that wants to take responsibility for making sure that everything is snuffed out. Uh, and Hughes, again, we saw him again playing behind Siralta and Truce de Kong at times and then coming forward. He's so calm uh, on the ball. When he receives the ball, either from Truce de Kong or Siralta, he... Even if he's got his, you know, his if he's facing his own goal, he can turn. He can always seems to find a little pocket of space, a little pass, just to relieve pressure. And I think that unit is working well. Messina is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is starting to distribute the ball really well. I think he's his uh, decision making is good about when to get forward and help Semmer or when to drop back and uh, and recognise that there's a threat. Uh, Kiko is Kiko. Don't know, you know, there's no more words really to say about him, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But um, as a as a six, including the keeper, you can hear Batman barking orders all the time. He's uh, he's I think he's grown in the I think it's 19 games he's now played in a row for Watford out of the 40 we've played. So you know he's he's clearly got the backing of his of his coach, which gives him confidence. He's hardly letting any goals, which I think is another massive thing, not just for the keeper, but for all the defenders. And I think if we are to get across the line, I think this defensive unit, these six players that, that play, and, I, and I, when I include Hughes in that unit, of course, Hughes also contributes going in the other direction. I appreciate that. But a lot of the work that he does is about picking the ball up off the centre-backs, about distributing it, about staying calm, about uh, protecting them from... Uh, too much threat and and I think that you know when I get nervous about the running and I think oh and I feel quite nervous right now because I thought we were going to hang on and, and get those three points and go to 81 and you think oh we can almost see the finish line um, now I feel a bit more nervous because I, I realise that if they both win their two games in hand they're only four points behind blah 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 but uh, you know I feel more nervous than I did uh, um, 60 minutes let's say then I think about those six players and I think about the, the bedrock on which our season's been built really with those players and, and that does have a calming effect on me because you know we do give up so few real chances we probably give up one or two a game which is remarkable really in the championship when normally it's sort of pell-mell and balls flying in from all from all angles and high balls and low balls and all sorts of you know crosses and stuff and yet somehow we manage most of the time to keep teams away from the danger area and that's really what was disappointing about Semmer's giving up a foul we'd given up a foul in that area just before the equaliser which we managed to clear and then within you know a few minutes, as they said on commentary, it was really unnecessary for him to th- throw his foot in there. He wasn't really going anywhere, this play. He had other Watford players around him, but he gave away the foul. That's disappointing. That shouldn't, that, that's not necessary. He should stay out of that and not give up those, those set pieces because it looked to me as if Borough, the only way they were really going to score mm. was from a set piece. And, and yet there we were, giving the ball up in dangerous areas, giving them a chance to hit a dead ball, getting all of their players forward pretty much. I mean, every single one came forward as far as I can remember. And, you know, we played a high line against that free kick. I, you know, I'm in the old days when I grew up, you put a man on, the, a man on each post and, and you, you defended a, a free kick with your back to your own goal so you could see what was going to happen. Now the, the fashion is to, is to play a higher line around the 18-yard line and then run back towards the goal. I was think that, that makes it much harder to defend. And Balassi did well. He got in front of whoever it was, whether it was Semmer or whoever it was. He, he just got in front and got, to, got his head to it first. It's a good goal uh, and a decent ball. But, you know, if we hadn't given away the free kick, we don't give away the equaliser. And it was disappointing 
Uh, having said everything positive about that 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 defensive unit, it was a little bit disappointing today that we gave away so many dead balls, set pieces. Uh, and that's something I think they're going to have to look at, manage, make sure we don't do that again. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. Yeah, those of you who have listened to the podcast, uh, you know, as we say when we used to do one a month, uh, now it's after, well, almost after every single game. Uh, of course, Arlo is a big part of this, uh, the podcast family, uh, and it's always nice to hear his views. But today, Michael, we've got a slightly different Michael Parkinson. Yeah, quite frankly, he's, he's getting a bit too big for his boots. He's fed up of me asking him questions. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? I saw a picture of him the other day. I know everyone's getting long hair, but he looks like a shabby teenager now because he needs a haircut, doesn't he? I think that's probably the, the the hair is helping him become a little bit more like, you know, I'm a big star, I'm a big rock star, look at me with my long hair. Yeah, find, finding the cigarette butts in the half-finished uh, half cans of Heineken in his bedroom is a bit of a bit of a shame, I must be honest. He wanted to ask someone else the questions instead of answering to his boring old dad. So it's WrestleMania week, basically. The kids absolutely love WWE. And uh, during WrestleMania week, there's lots of opportunities opportunities for uh, people to speak to uh, the protagonists, the wrestlers. And Arlo was uh, was lucky enough to manage to speak to uh, one of the WWE superstars, as they're known, uh, a guy called Finn Balor. Arlo had his uh, Watford shirt on and took the opportunity to uh, take Michael Parkinson sort of on the road, I guess, really. Mike's surname is Parkinson, his son called Arlo, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. <laughs> Hi, Finn. Is that a Watford jersey you have on? Yeah. Oh, great. What football team do you support and do you think Watford will get promoted this year? I hope Watford get promoted. I have a soft spot for Watford and I am a top Hotspur fan. Good luck at TakeOver and I hope you keep the belt. Thank you, Arlo. All right, good luck for Watford. I hope they get promoted. Me too. <laughs> All right. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. So Arlo speaking to WWE superstar Finn Balor there. Now, if you are 
after more things to fill your time uh, during this uh, this lockdown, because we're not quite finished yet, you can, of course, subscribe to The Athletic. Yes, that's theathletic.com forward slash end where you can sign up. There's always a deal. The current deal is three ninety nine a month for your first six months. That's a 40% discount on the normal subscription. Uh, and by, by doing that, you will get every sports story that matters. All the breaking news, in-depth analysis uh, from the world-renowned team of journalists. Uh, and, of course, you can get this podcast ad-free if you subscribe and you listen via the website or via the Athletic app. No adverts whatsoever. Of course, you can keep up to date with all the Watford writing from Adam Leventhal. So to do that, remember, go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and sign up for an offer of three ninety nine a month. Uh, that's if you're in England. And there might be a different offer for you if you're somewhere else in the world. But if you'd like to, to have something physical to read, but there's a couple of publications uh, to keep an eye out for, and they all come from the Watford Treasury team. Uh, the first one is the Watford Treasury. Uh, there's a new edition out this week. So go to the watfordtreasury.co.uk where you can uh, subscribe. And of course, they don't just do the... Uh, every couple of months visual history magazine which is the Watford Treasury they also do a monthly fanzine yellow black and red YBR we've got a special little clip here uh, voiced by Colin uh, written by Ollie Wicken this is in issue 9 uh, of YBR uh, and it's all about where Ollie Wicken describes the 2020-21 football experience for Watford fans 15 minutes to kick off. Nerves kick in. Will the Wi-Fi be stable this afternoon? 10 minutes to kick off. Time for my lucky pre-match ritual. Use left hand to clear coffee mugs from desk. Worked last time. Ready to savour the atmosphere. Slight whiff of last night's takeaway, plus the dogs farted. Open a window. And close windows. Twitter, Facebook, the forums. Not during the game, thanks. Briefly revisit memories of recent matches. What's the Hive Live URL again? What's my login again? Flashback to paying 50p at the Vicarage Road Turnstile as a kid. Remember that? But not my credit card number. Have to fetch my wallet. Hear the wife get home. She'll want to talk. Headphones on. Team news. Probably the usual, with two rotations. Why does Emma Saunders always call it the all-important team news? Kick-off. Not feeling much. Looking at a computer screen. What I do all day, every day. Phone pings and notification. Have we scored? Have they scored? Hate lagging behind real time. Live games used to be live. Read the notification. Team news from BBC Sport. An hour late. Can't have been all important, I guess. Tap a comment to the WhatsApp group. Eyes off the game. Watching football feels like multitasking. Our centre-backs pass back and forth. Why? The camera never reveals the wider picture. Two replays of a nothing incident while players in progress. Suddenly we're defending a free kick outside our box. How come? Half time. Go outside. Take a leak in the rain against the garden wall. Just to pretend I'm actually experiencing football. Full time. Three points. Shut computer. Job ticked off. That's another elephant washed, as my boss used to say. All told, nothing to write home about. I'm always home anyway. In four days, I'll do the same. In four months, football may feel real. It's great, that clip, isn't it? And it really sums up so much of um, what our experience has been of not going to live games, but having to sort of watch them on various 
platforms on our laptop uh using our phone hotspot in the car so that we can we can watch it while we're being driven to a na- to uh you know to um relatives or whatever over the easter weekend and uh, it, uh whether your wi-fi is going to be good enough anyway i had a ch- i had a chat with ollie and uh, he, uh i wanted to see if he wanted to come over and watch the game today in our back garden so that we wouldn't be breaking any of the covid rules and he was telling me how he's been going absolutely crazy watching the coverage because he's missed you miss so much of the football the sky games are okay most of most of it is okay but there is a lot of sort of there's some replays unnecessary replays of some minor incident and then you come back to the game and the ball's up the other end and it's, this is the sort of thing uh, i've known ollie since i was five years old and this is the sort of thing that drives him absolutely crazy and i thought today when i was watching the game that um it was quite amusing there was one bit where they showed steve gibson with his mask on for about 30 seconds and then they cut to Warnock standing on the on the pit on the sidelines for about 30 seconds I'm thinking the the game's actually going ahead you know they're they're actually playing football we're not able to see it so I was I was imagining him sitting on his sofa screaming at the television so yes I think his frustrations has um have spilled over into that rather brilliant piece of writing that you've just played so well done to him from the rookery end a podcast about life following Watford FC one thing that keeps it's come up before we talked about it on the podcast um, when it first sort of was rumoured is is the possible Watford moving to a new stadium uh, at the Bushy Hall Golf Club. Now I'm not against this because everyone seems to be going on about a home. Oh, it's, uh, Vickers Road is, is is our home. Well, it it is my footballing home. But my mum, she's moved house many times in my life, and I've moved with her on the first few. And home was wherever she was, and I, I moved away. And I used to go home on weekends from university, and that was because where my mum was. So I don't think this, this thing that's Vicarage Road, I could easily move home, as I did with my mother, and I do now. My home now is with my, my wife and my family. But if we all moved together, and we all went together, and we were there as our Watford family, we'd, we'd all be at home, wouldn't we? We're not, Vicarage Road is not that much of a, a temple for you, is it, is it, Colin? Well, it's the first time I went to, you know, obviously I've been going to see Watford for a very long time and they've been in Vicarage Road since 1922, but equally it hasn't always been their home. They played at Casio Road. So uh, I understand it uh, completely where you're coming from. I, I don't feel particularly against it on an emotional level. The, the only thing, the things that worry me about it is, one, is it really necessary to build a 28, 30,000 seater stadium, which unless we're really in the Premier League, won't be full. And that's something that we see around the country, you know, at Derby, Borough, you know, they've got these big modern stadiums which are never full. And I think that that uh, is a shame. <laughs> None of them are full, the, Colin. And then, no, well, obviously not at the moment, but you know what I mean. Um, you play in the second tier, you don't feel, you know, you don't feel your big, spanking, shiny new ground. And that would be the same for us. I, I like the fact that, Vicarage Road, it's very tight to the to the pitch. It gives the home fans a chance to really have an effect on the result. But on the other hand, of course, it doesn't generate much extra income for us. We've got the gallery now and the view, and we've got the you know various executive boxes that we where you can generate some income. But this new stadium that they're talking about is said to have you know a conference center various things attached to it that can be used throughout the week uh, so it would become uh, and i think as a sports center as well which could be used and so it would have it would be a facility for the town yeah. in a way if you like the vicarage road is not and that might be a good thing also you know you have to keep moving forwards the, the one thing that 
I don't know whether this bother, bothers either of you, but it's not in Watford. And it's going if it's going to be it's going to be where Bushy Golf Course is. That's in Bushy, so the the, the station will probably be the Bushy Overground Station will be the nearest to it. That feels a bit strange because there's not there's so few now where you're actually embedded in the town centre with the with the houses around it and so on. And I do really like that, but that's maybe that's just a sort of nostalgic thing. Yeah, I think it is a nostalgic thing because I don't think you can practically build a stadium in any town centre anywhere in the country. It needs space. Even Man United, Old Trafford is way out of Manchester. I mean, that goes back to the initial thing, doesn't it? And it's about the the emotive, the emotional, nostalgic side of things of where it is. And, you know, you, ca- you cannot gloss over the fact that if we are to leave Vicarage Road, it will be a hugely emotional and yeah, it will be a sad moment because, you know, I close my eyes and I can think of Vicarage Road in all its various iterations since since I've been going. And, you know, we've seen it change and with the, there are so many memories there with, with family members, with friends, with all sorts, with good games, bad games. Um, other events you know there's been the concerts the firework displays open days uh, the scoreboard even the clock you know there's so much the list goes on and but you're on listing and on. things Michael that have already gone they've already gone but yeah but they're all they're all part of Vicarage Road though so Vicarage Road is still there and you know but are all, they not just part of your experience they're not part yeah, of, of Vicarage they Road they're not part of the, 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 the that's again it's the it's the experience that's great it's not the bricks and mortar but the constant, of course, is Vicarage Road, and it's that that walk. Whichever your way into the ground is, you probably do it the same way each and every time, and you stop at the same shop or the same chippy. Um, and there is just something magical about the place for us as Watford fans. And I think you you know you called it the the cathedral, which it is. That's where we've been paying homage for the last for well for our Watford supporting careers and, and i do and like we, the fact both of you have have skirted away from saying how long you've been a watford fan for <laughs> <Too long. laughs> just look at my haircut and you'll, you'll know how long and the gray in my beard but but i think colin hit up, upon the point of the, the reality is i don't think it's about capacity because even in the premier league you know how you could probably even when watford were doing well you could probably get a ticket somehow for any of the any match in in watford's last stint in the premier league so i don't think capacity is a problem obviously the more people coming through the gates the more money you can make, you know, seeing, you know, the issues Bournemouth are facing, for example, with their ground and it being small and the knock-on effect of that. But I think that Colin's hit the nail on the head in terms of what it can generate for us because the, the current regime have done an exceptional job, an extraordinary job, really, of transforming Vicarage Road into something that is a ground that is nice to go at, nice to go to, a good place to watch football. There's 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 not a bad seat in the house really. If you take out the lower rouse in the corner where if, where you just sit at a wall if you sit in the wrong seat, but it's a very comfortable place to watch football. They've added facilities absolutely everywhere they can, of course, including the brilliant sensory room in the corner. So they've they're they're wringing absolutely everything they can out of it at the moment, and it looks good on TV. So it's the whole thing works at the moment. However, we, you know we've talked about the importance of Watford getting promoted. And the reality is the importance of Watford getting promoted, really, because we'll go whether they're in Division 1 or Division 10. So for us, it doesn't really matter. The importance is the legacy, is the future of Watford. And of course, that that relies on finance. And the more that Watford and clubs like us can be self-financing, the better. So to have all those facilities attached um, and as potential revenue streams, is hugely, hugely important. And I'm, I'd be surprised if that wasn't almost the, the sole focus. And you think about 
And the land behind the rookery, of course, over the top of the stand, for, the entrances to the stand is as was sold, and it isn't isn't owned by the club. You can't develop there. Anyone that's walked down Occupation Road will know the the opportunities for developing there are, are next to none. Anyone who sits in the family stand in the at the at the Vicarage Road end or remembers sitting in the Vicarage Road end will remember the cramped concourse there. So mm. we've done a mm. brilliant, Good brilliant point. job with with the getting the stadium to where it is now and i love it i'm lucky enough to go there uh, for the home games at the moment and i always 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 catch my breath when i go in and think this is a stunning beautiful place to to watch football and it wasn't like that six seven eight years ago was it it was dilapidated um in parts you know we had a condemned stand the corners were a waste of space um, so it is beautiful and it's brilliant and it's always been our home. But we need to think about, you know, we talked about, you know, Arlo and our kids going to football and their kids and their kids. We want them to be sat doing their whatever the the, the, the equivalent of a podcast will be in 50, <laughs> 60, 100 years. Yeah. We want the club to be there for them, the, the, to have the memories that we've got. And I think a part of that is securing it financially um, and 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 the, the the stadium and what that can deliver is a huge huge part of that. So that's why I think these these plans appear to be to be gathering pace. And I think most people would would recognise that. I think also what's important is that we don't allow the um, development and the idea to become a divisive issue. It will on some level, obviously. But what I really really uh, don't want to have happen is we take our our tight little stadium where you feel so close to the action why people like coming i think it's a you know a bit like the way they talk about get you know going to the bowling ground in the past and what i don't want is for us to have a transition where we end a bit i mean there have been some really successful developments and then there have been some less successful ones i think arsenal fans feel that the emirates is just not right. It just doesn't feel right when you go there. It's too much of a bowl. It doesn't have enough atmosphere. You're not close enough to the ground. It doesn't have an end. And I think that going obviously to the Olympic Stadium hasn't been a great success for the fans. Probably has been a big success financially for the club. It would be nice to think that we could build a stadium that feels like a football stadium rather than just an arena for sport. And I think that whether or not they involve fans in the consultation process and all those things, that that that's really what you where you have to be so careful because football fans are very emotional they are very nostalgic they are very attached to their seats their view the the routine and i think that as long as as long as it's handled really well and we end up with a football stadium that's recognizably has an end uh that's close to the pitch that is bigger than the current one has these extra facilities even maybe has some parking um uh, <laughs> but and is done and is done in consultation with fan groups and so on, then I think it could be a really, really successful uh, process. And it could, as Mike quite rightly says, set us up for the next 100 years because he's beautifully described the limitations of the Vicarage Road Stadium. And I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before, but he's absolutely right. We've wrung every last square centimetre out of that ground. But if we're going to move forward as a football club in the kind of global footballing climate that we we live in now, global sporting climate, that was just generally the way people think is so different from 50 years ago, we probably do need a new modern facility that can take the club forward. So, yeah, he's he's definitely pushed me more in that, that direction than the kind of than being a naysayer. 
Uh, I just looked it up. Uh, it, is, it is a Watford postcode, WD23. So the only person who really is going to hate this is Jacob and all the boys from uh, WD18. They'll have to whole rebrand just because it's a new postcode. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Yeah, we've got a run-in. We've talked about the, the, the run-in. That's our lovely key cliches that we're going to keep using because Mike's a massive fan of them, aren't you, Michael? Um, Reading at home, we're going to be ahead of that uh, in terms of the other two playing their, that round of games. They don't play until the Saturday. Then Luton, Norwich, Millwall, Brentford and Swansea. That's our running. We all know that. It's embedded into our minds. But we are in such a good position. And I know I said I was 67%, 67.1% confident. Opt to now tell me, Michael, I should have been, before this game at least, 88% confident. I'm going to push you now, Michael. Give us a percentage of how confident you are for Watford going up. I've got better, as as you may have sort of picked up on, at being a little bit more, removing myself, being a little bit more pragmatic and taking the emotion out of it. I've been quite bullish over the last couple of weeks that Watford are a tremendous football team and they're better than most teams, if not every team in this division. So all things being equal, there is no reason that we can't get, let's say, we've got six games left, three wins and a draw to probably to probably get us over the line. I would say there's absolutely no reason that this side can't get that. Percentage. However, <laughs> the butterflies at this stage of the season, for me, uh, as a supporter, are, n- are non-stop. Uh, I'm ashamed, or not ashamed, to admit it's the, it's the last thing I think about uh, when I go to bed and it's the first thing I think about when I wake up and it's on my mind pretty much the in, the entire day. The permutations, how Watford are going to cope with their next challenge, what could happen, what might happen, what we want to happen, what we don't want to happen. It's it's still very much all up in the air. Now, Watford are in their driving seat. Norwich will be happy to, to that we, we dropped a point, to, a couple of points today. Uh, I can hear you in the background, John, on your teeth, percentage, percentage. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. We're in a really good, we're in a really good position. They still need to win the games that they need to win to get promotion. Promoted sides win a lot of football games. Um, so it's still a massive challenge. So percentage-wise... Please! <laughs> I'm going to say... I, th- I, st- I don't know. I think I think 65%. Okay, 65%. Colin, better, than, better than the flip of a coin. But yes, I feel true. sick. I feel sick in my stomach, John. I can't tell you. I, and I, I couldn't agree more. It's the last thing I think about... I go, I go to to sleep thinking about whether or not we can sneak past Reading, and maybe if we get a draw against Norwich away, that'll be you know. <laughs> and then I wake up in the morning and I immediately check uh, various sort of websites to see if there's any news on injuries or players coming back or what's happened. Uh, and and the other thing I've done, this is how crazy I uh, it's become for me. And I've always been someone that. Um, works out the difficult things in my life by talking about them out loud. And I don't know whether that's something that um, that uh, chimes with anybody else, but going for a long walk and being able to, you know, talk things out to yourself out loud so you can hear your thoughts. And, and I find it very calming, although, of course, you do look quite mad if you get caught <laughs> by some stranger walking the other way going, oh, there's a bloke there talking to himself. Um, but I have been doing that a little bit, late night walks before bed, because I found the whole lockdown and never going out, just your day just runs on and on and then you you go to bed and I find that quite weird. So I like to go out, you know, uh, for a walk, sometimes with Julia or sometimes on my own. And when I go out on my own, I do have to say I, I there's quite a lot of chat about 
Watford about uh, kind of stage managing wins in my head about who scores the goal against Reading about who you know what we do against Luton because it's all left over from you doing your make believe commentaries at the end of last it could season. be this has been a year <laughs> since be. you've done those and you got well it into is. them we could, we could plead to the whole season of course that in that season Watford stayed up we didn't in the end don't you remember um, but if you got used to that and you're well yeah I do and I, and I it's just a it's a way of calming myself down because it is such I think I'd be a lot calmer if we'd managed to hang on today, but now suddenly I can feel that nausea starting to to, to grow in my stomach uh, because we've drawn the game today. And then you look at the table and you think what could happen. It's just awful being a football fan, really, isn't it? Um, I'm quite glad though that we did that um, we didn't. Well, I don't know if that's if I can really say this honestly, but in a way, my fake commentaries uh, kept us up with a, a Dini uh, equaliser, I believe it was against well, Arsenal, yes. which gave us the point we needed. But actually, I really have enjoyed this season. It's been great watching a Watford side win a lot of games. That's been fun as a supporter. Obviously, it would be more fun if we'd been there. Rather than spending the whole season worrying about whether we can get to 38 points, which is a whole different kind of version of being a football fan in the Prem. So I have really enjoyed the season. And in some ways, I'm glad we've had that opportunity to play in the Championship. But I'll only really be glad if we <laughs> if we get over the line and get back up into the Premier League. So I, I must admit, I really enjoyed the five years that we spent there. Yeah, you never know. When we, when we finish this season, we do a top 10 look back on it. Uh, it might be a very different beast uh, compared to if we, we go up or we don't. I, I do actually feel that if we don't go up in second place, I don't think we'll go up at all. Oh, John! Do you know why? Because think about it. If we go down, if we don't, we would have had a massive dip in form. Yeah? And if and that if you have a massive dip in form, your motivation and your ability to get yourself up for two crucial games or three crucial games in the playoffs just feels like that would be the reason why. I'm not saying definite, but you know what I'm saying. Like you see, if you lose this momentum, you lose this position you're in, I think you're less likely to get through the playoffs. Uh, what's, the, what's the cliche I could use there? The, the lottery of the playoffs. Uh, if, you, if you're going into it, if you're going into it as, as win, 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 you're more likely to, to get it. The reality is we're trying to rationalise the unrationalizable, if you like. This is, you know, everything in pl- is in play. There's loads of teams that want to stop us going up. We want to go up. There's other teams that want to go up. It's professional sport and it's absolutely beautiful. And these, these are the reasons, the feelings that we've got now, the butterflies and the talking about it and the nervous energy is why when it all goes well, it feels amazing and when it doesn't it feels really bad and that's why we love it and it does you know at the moment you think oh god would you suddenly you know you sort of jokingly say oh would you rather be a qpr fan or stuck in the mid mid table nothing to worry about you can sort of just enjoy the football but of course it's absolute nonsense isn't it it's it's absolutely brilliant that watford are involved in yet another yet another exciting season and i say this time and time again compare the size of the town of watford to other similar populations and we have had about a million times much the fun that we should we are entitled to expect for a club our size and here we are again with a brilliant group of players um and the right end of the table points clearing in second yes there's going to be twists and turns yes it's going to be gut-wrenching yes uh i'm going to curse the day i ever started watching uh football or professional sport but I wouldn't swap it for absolutely everything. Being a Watford fan is the greatest gift I think I've I've ever been given, and I'm so glad that we're in the midst of it again. It's what it's all about. The other, you know, the the 75% of, of fans would give their right arm to be in the situation we're in now, and we can sort of talk about the permutations, talk about what might happen. The bottom line is, whatever will be, will be. 
um, and it's just a it's a brilliant ride to be on once again as a as a supporter of this amazing football club. Bring it on, lads! Come on, Mike. That was just brilliant. I feel. I feel amazing now. <laughs> and we're going to keep that amazing feeling until Friday when Watford take on Reading at home uh, and see, hey, how this how this season is going to end uh, and how our uh, heart rates are going to uh, uh, rapidly change or not. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Yeah, no problem. Come on, you all. And thank you, Colin. Thank you very much, John. And uh, we'll be back after Watford take on Reading. Come on, you all. The Athletic. You can, of course, subscribe to The Athletic. Yes, that's theathletic.com forward slash rookie where you can sign up. There's always a deal. The current deal is three ninety nine a month for your first six months. That's a 40% discount on the normal subscription. Uh, and by, by doing that, you will get every sports story that matters. All the breaking news, in-depth analysis uh, from the world-renowned team of journalists. Uh, and, of course, you can get this podcast ad-free if you subscribe and you listen via the website or via the Athletic app. No adverts whatsoever. Of course, you can keep up to date with all the Watford writing from Adam Leventhal. So to do that, remember, go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and sign up for an offer of three ninety nine a month. Uh, that's if you're in England. And there might be a different offer for you if you're somewhere else in the world. But 